Well, hi, everybody, and it's good to be with you for another episode of Faith Greater Than Fear. We are in some really interesting times, and they're not going away anytime soon. They're also going to affect us locally, nationally, and globally. And one of the things we're doing on our episodes is bringing in voices from around the world. And today, I've got a dear friend with me, and uh, I'm so thrilled to have any time with my brother Yasir Eric, and he's gonna share his journey, his story, what his family has been seeing and what he's experienced. And so we're gonna get some, I think, really great, great insights. Yasir, welcome. Thank you, thank you, brother, thank you. Well, we have had a great couple of years of knowing one another deeply, and it goes back decades to kind of brushing shoulders with one another. So tell us as an audience, how, where you lived, how did you come to the Lord? We've got to know a little bit of your story because it is a fabulous story. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mike, first of all, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. It's always great to see you, brother. And I thank you also for your prayers and for all what you have been doing for us in ministry in all of these last years, and especially now in this time of Corona. And it's been really, for me, very remarkable how the Lord make our paths cross together each time, and you have been a great encouragement for me. So thank you so much. So for my journey, I came to know the Lord 1990, and actually, I never, I was, ne I never thought Jesus. I never looked for Jesus. Uh, but the opposite, I grew in a very fanatic Muslim family in the northern part of Sudan. I used to hate Christians, Jews, people that they just not believe the way that I used to believe. And I have never had any encounter uh, with uh, Christians or with the Bible directly. But still I thought I knew something about the Bible that's been corrupted, that Christians will all go to hell. And, and for me, Christianity was like the West and the Hollywood movies and the Crusaders. and. Uh, also, um, like the colonial times, so it, it, you know, like the word Christianity never meant any positive thing to me, and that's why I never had any intention to know anything about it. But the Lord was seeking me, so I never wanted to believe in Jesus, but the opposite, and that came actually through um, a time where I had also an uncle who was a very devoted Muslim. You know, and Jesus met him. Jesus met him and changed his life. You know, we lived in a place where we did not have any encounter with Christians, but Jesus met him, changed his life. He was a very fanatic person. And when he came to know the Lord, that was a, was a news that was very devastating for us as a family. And because I loved my uncle so much, I thought, you know, I, I must have find a way to bring him back to Islam. And that was the day when I started to pose the question, who Jesus Christ really is. And because I did not have any Bible, I have never seen a Bible in my life, I have never read anything on it, and at that time there was no social media, there is no internet like today. So I never had any opportunity to have a Bible, to go to church, I do not want to go to those guys whom I thought they're bad, and who are our enemies. You know, I come from the northern part of Sudan, and I used to hate the Southern Sudanese, you know, we used to discriminate them, you know, we used to hate them. And um, 
And so I did not want to go to them and ask them about what they believe because I was 100% convinced they were wrong. I did not want to ask my uncle who became a believer because I was convinced that he is wrong. And this is when I pulled out my, my Quran and I started to read the verses that I learned by heart as a child. What does the Quran say about Jesus? And I was astonished to see that the Quran says that Jesus he is the Spirit of God. Jesus is the Word of God. And the only one who is living in heaven and will come back is Jesus. None of the prophet, but Jesus lives. You know, he lives in heaven and he comes back and Mary, the mother of Jesus, she is the only woman is being mentioned by name in the Quran. And this is when I start to fall in love on Jesus, not on Christianity. I said, well, well, this Jesus is, is really good, but his followers, why are they so bad? You know, and I started to, to think positively about Jesus, but that was not what really made me to follow the Lord. I, you know, every Muslim believes in Jesus, actually, you know, as a prophet, as a good man, without sin and all of that. Otherwise, he will not be a Muslim. But I never knew what Jesus, what did he teach? I never knew what did he, uh, uh, um, uh, like, what kind of teaching that he brought, you know, what does he want from people? I never knew that. And so one day, and, I, and, and this is how my journey started. And actually, my, this story which I'm telling today is not only my personal story, it's a story of the many Muslims who came to know the Lord through a journey. You know, and, and I know that people like you and many are praying for us and praying for the, for the Middle East. And I came to know the Lord not because I compared Quran and the Bible, not because I was a smart. I came to know the Lord because there are some people who are praying for the Islamic world. And if anybody's watching us today was doing that, I wanted to say to them, thank you. Thank you for doing that. That the best thing to do for the Muslim world, not to hate them, not to discriminate them, to pray for them, to pray for them, a prayer that Jesus himself will answer. And that's what happened in my life. So I was one day at the hospital, and this was 1990, as I said. Um, I went to the hospital because one of my cousins was severely sick. And the doctors, they said he's going to die. And he was four weeks in intensive care. And I sat next to him. And I was hoping he will not die. He was not able to speak. He was not able to move his hand, his leg. And I was just sitting there, even though I was a very religious person, but I could not find words to speak to God about this child. And while I was sitting there came two Coptic Christians, people that I hated. One of them came in, he wanted to greet me. I saw he had a cross in his hand. I pulled out my hand and I said, well, I'm not going to greet and touch a hand has a cross. And then I asked him, what do you want to do? He said, well, we came here to pray. And I was so ignorant. I did not know that Christians pray. I did not know that even Christians believe in God. And in our culture, you know, we come from a very shame-oriented culture. You think no, but you say yes. Said to him, okay, you know, I did not want to offend him. Said, well, you should pray and then you go. And these two people, Mike, stood next to the bed of this child and they prayed the prayer that moved me from within for two reasons one reason they prayed 
with certainty. So these two people, I thought they were unbelievers standing next to the bed of this child and speaking to God as if they know him. I said, who are those people who talk to God this way? And the second thing that their prayer moved me, their prayer, it was full of love. I was full of hate against them. You know, I was discriminating them. I did not love them. And then they come and they pray with compassion and they ask and say, God, Jesus, please heal this child. This amount of love moved me from within, despite of the hatred that I have in my heart. And then those people, the minute they say, Amen, this child opened his eyes for the first time in his life. And in that moment, Jesus opened my eyes to see him. And one of those two Coptic Christians sat down with me and he spoke to me about the love of God, spoke to me that God has a plan for me. And on that night, Jesus Christ touched my heart and changed me. And that's why I'm speaking to you today, Mike. That's the only reason, the only reason, because Jesus changed my heart and changed my mind. He gave me hope. He gave me a new direction. He taught me to tolerate people and to love people. And that's all only because of Jesus. Amen. That's great. And I would say that you would agree with me that with people who feel they're, oh, they're locked in their houses or apartments or they can't do ministry or whatever, you can. And it's the most powerful thing any of us as followers of Jesus can do, and that's praying for those brothers and sisters who aren't like us yet. I, I, I appreciate it. I want to encourage all of you in the audience to remember that is something that we are asked to do, and now more than ever are given an honor and a privilege to do. So the story goes, you know Jesus, you found him, you've accepted him. Quickly, we want to move through leaving Sudan and having a family. We want to get our audience up to where you're at today. What happened next? Yeah, I live, I live, I mean, I lived in Kenya many years and then I came to Germany. I live in the southern part of Germany and uh, here um, we take care of the refugees, immigrants and, uh, and also um, uh, trying to help the German society, the European society to deal with the whole issue of immigration, of Islam, of integration and all of that. But also I'm involved in the Middle East, um, you know, uh, trouble. Uh, across the Middle East, they're meeting converts, meeting people like me, that Jesus met them. Jesus changed their life. And I want to say one thing here, Mike. You know, I became a follower of Christ not because Islam is wrong and not because Islam has any bad thing. I became a follower of Christ because Jesus called me to himself. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah. And this is what we're trying also to help our brothers and sisters here in Europe and also across the Middle East. Jesus made me to be a better person, you know? And this is what we would like to be, not only better person for us for eternity, but to serve our societies in Saudi Arabia, in Yemen, in Syria, in Iraq, in Saudi Arabia, in, in, um, uh, in Lebanon, in North Africa, all over, you know? And this is what, I pray every single day when I woke up in the morning. With the comment of what is better, I know my wife who works with um, 
that used to be called crisis pregnancy centers where there is the issue of abortion, which is a global matter. But she turned it around and said, it's not anymore a positive thing to be known what we're against, and that is aborting young unborn children. Let us be known for what we are for. We are for life. We are for you to succeed. And you're saying the same thing. We want you to know that we are for Jesus. There are lots of things we can disagree about even within Christendom. But that is what we need to do, irregardless of the religion or the sector we find ourselves. So you travel around the world, except for right now, yeah. uh, teaching, caring for immigrants there uh, in the uh, country you're staying in, Germany a little bit. Tell me and our audience a little bit from your perspective, the Oikos, the community of Islam, how is it dealing with the pandemic? What have you heard? What are you seeing from your eyes and your heart to let us know? What God's well, doing? you know, Mike, there is one reason that we have technology. This is a difficult time. It's a difficult time that people go through, you know, across the Middle East. And my heart goes out, you know, and the challenges in the Middle East, they are more than your challenges and my challenges, mm -hmm. you know. But despite of all of that, God is touching the lives of many people, you know, through Zoom, connected with my brothers and sisters in Iraq and in Syria. You know, we pray together. We pray together. So through this time of Corona, I made a list of the names of the people that I call every day, a new group. I we stay connected with them, you know. I cannot travel, but we can talk. And thank the Lord for this all um, uh, technology that we have today. Yeah. So they are going through a difficult time, and that's what is breaking my heart from one side. But from the other side, they are experiencing the provision of God every single day. Every single day. You know, just before the corona time, I was going in a country in the Middle East to do uh, seminars and also to baptize people. I was stopped. So what we did is, I came home, I sat here in my office, and we did this seminar online, you know? And when we finished the seminar, I said, well, you know what? But you went, you were coming to baptize us. What is going on? Are we going to wait till you come? I said to them, actually, no, you don't need to wait. For your baptism, you don't need me. You have water, you have the Holy Spirit, you have Jesus, you have everything, you know? And those people, I prayed for them on Zoom, like the way that I talked to you. You know, and then one, one elderly person started to baptize the first person, 35 people, one by one. And now there's a, a, a house church that raised in the middle of the time of Corona. You know, that's amazing. That, that's just a praise the Lord, you know, and I, I tell people all the time, you know, when missionaries and church leaders can't travel and we as congregations can't gather, the church has been pushed out through media and technology to your point, and we're seeing more abundant seed sowing, more opportunities to share the gospel online than ever before. And it enables everybody to become uh, the priesthood of believers. Everybody, we're not gonna wait for the reverend or the minister, everybody is going to be doing this work of God. Yes, and this is my, exactly what is happening, you know? And I'm so thankful for ministers like your minister and the other ministers that they gave us this example to use technology to further the gospel. You know, I don't have much money, 
But if I would have money today, Mike, I would pour it all in the work of media at this time. Yeah, it's a, it's the multiplier in the minutes. And my, I wish we could have an hour with you. We always enjoy visiting with one another, but we've got minutes left here. What lessons have you and your lovely wife and family and colleagues learned? Uh, technology is one of them, right? That it's a tool for the church today. What other lessons are you learning? You want our audience to know about either from your own heart or from your family or from your colleagues that you could share as we close up here. Well, first of all, a very personal remark, you know, like this, this Corona, I was so busy before Corona, you know, and I felt like the Lord is just hitting the break of my life, you know, and just stopping me. Suddenly I lost control of everything. You know, my, ter my calendar is not working anymore. The schedule I put like a year ago is not working anymore. And God put me at the test. Say, well, you know, you always said you're going to trust me. Are you trusting me now? And he was whispering to me, said, Yasir, I missed you. I need to have more time with you. You know, and that's actually what the Lord told me from the beginning of this pandemic. The lesson that I learned is to be thankful, to be thankful for my family that I could spend time with them, you know, to see them. You know, like the other day, I just saw a picture in our home and I said to my son, well, what a beautiful picture. They said, well, that this picture had been hanging here for the last two years. So I didn't see it, you know, brushing in and out and I was doing good things, you know, but even those good things, if they hinder me, you know, to spend quality time with my family, to hear what the Lord is telling me. The Lord just said, I'm going to take all of this away from you. You still trust me? What I learned also, you know, to be thankful, to be thankful. So, you know, you know, like for you, Mike, I'm sure you missed going to church in this, yeah? But you have more reason to be thankful than Muhammad in Saudi Arabia, who have never been in church, yeah. you know? So you have a house that you could lock your door and nobody comes in. You, have, you and I have more reasons to be thankful than Hassan and Cairo. You know, we can speak about our faith and share it with people. We have more reasons to be thankful than Hussein and, and Terah. You know, so like, like for us, like this temporary time that we cannot go to church, you know, it is temporary. You know, for converts, it has been always like that always like that you know and if we understand church as gathering as having fun and you know then actually we miss the point you know and i hope that this corona time gave a chance to somebody like you and i and the others to feel even with a little bit about our persecuted brothers you know and never to take it for granted you know, and today, if people complain yeah, that they're being locked at home, they should think about the thousands and the hundreds of thousands of refugees in camps in, 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 in Turkey, in Syria, in Lebanon. They don't even have a door to lock. You know, we are totally spoiled. You know, and I think this is the time that we say to the Lord, I thank you. We have a health system, it's not perfect, but we thank you. You know, our job is being like threatened, but we thank you that some people, they never had a job. You know, like the Syrian refugees in, in Lebanon, you know, they all like daily workers. 
So this means if they work in the morning, they have something to eat in the evening. If there is no work in the morning, there is nothing to eat. You know, and we have a health system, we have a insurance, we have, and then we complain. It is a time to say to the Lord, we thank you for this time. And you know what, my, for us Christians, if we cannot pray the Lord's prayer to say our daily bread give us today, if we cannot mean it that way, then everything that we believe is meaningless. This is what I learned in this time. And there are two other lessons that I would like to leave at the end of the day. For those people who are fear, you know, I totally believe that Corona is not from God, it's not from Jesus. God does not want to hurt you or hurt me. But Corona, God is using it to keep our attention. And there are some people who are afraid. You know, if I start my day with watching the news, I will get afraid. If I start my day reading the word of God, then I will see the news in the light of the word of God. We need to get our perspective together. The second thing is that those of us who are saying, well, you know, it is end time and they were capitulating. You know, since the time of John, it was the end time. He said, well, I write to you in the last days. And you know, end time in the Bible, when is it going to happen? He said, Jesus said that in Matthew 24, when the gospel will be preached to the all nations, then the end time will come. This means if you and I want that the end time to come, we should stop whining and we stop getting like scared. We should go out and share the gospel and have a talk like this. You know, this one thing. And the second thing, you know, what moved me also in this time of Corona was the story of Daniel. I read the book of Daniel in the time of Corona. And the Lord spoke to me in several issues. The first issue, like this king, Nebuchadnezzar, who was like the powerful person on his time. He gets a dream in chapter 9, and he cannot even sleep. The same panic that we're today in, you know. We cannot sleep. And what he did, he brought all of those smart guys, you know. He said, well, tell me the dream. He said, well, yes, but tell us a hint. He said, no, no, I'm not going to tell you anything, but tell me this dream. They were not able. You know, but Daniel was different. And he saw that, I'm going to close with this, and he said in verse, in verse, um, uh, uh, in chapter 9, uh, verse uh, uh, 19, he said, during the night, the mystery was relieved, revealed, sorry, revealed to Daniel in a vision. You know, and this is what the Lord wants from us that to understand this time, to reveal, not to panic, to reveal what does Jesus want from me, from you and from I. Death, death had been always there. It's nothing new, you know. And if I die today, you know, since I became a Christian in 1990, I'm prepared to die every single day. Not because I'm tired of life, but I know death is just a big gate will bring me to Jesus. And I close with this word, the prayer of Daniel. He said, he praised the Lord. And he said, the Lord, he changes times and seasons, not Corona. Corona does not have the last word in my life. If I die today, I will die not because of Corona, even though I carry my, my mask and I do everything, you know, that's, and we have to keep that. But if I die today, I don't die because of Corona. I die because my time is over. You know, and then I have to be sure where are we, where are am I going to go? That is more important than to be afraid of a virus that none of us could see with his eyes.
Fabulous words. So audience and from my dear friend yesterday, number one, keep praying. Number two, be thankful. Number three, know we've got tools like media and technology to just connect like never before and the work never stops. And finally, to understand that we should not be fearful, that God is going to have the last word. He is using coronavirus as his servant, his purpose agent. And so I hope you enjoyed, as I always do, conversations with my dear brother, Yasser Eric. Yasser, thank you so, so much. Blessings to you, blessings to your family and to your work and your ministry. And so we want to invite all of you, if you've enjoyed anything that Yasser has shared, would you share it on social media of the channels that you have? Because I'm sure that God's speaking through Yasser can touch your heart and touch others as well. Yes, here we'll stay in touch and we'll stay in touch with you as well at home. Until the next time, faith is greater than fear. God bless you.